0: Lord God, we thank you for your word to us. We ask that you'd fill us once again with your Holy Spirit, so we might hear your voice speaking to us this morning. Amen. Okay. My apologies for disappearing. It's that point where you realise it's the servant slot, and I've left my illustration at home. So that's why, why we had the quick diversion out. We've been looking um, through Jeremiah recently. Um, and it's—I was talking. To the person doing the sermon at eleven o'clock is Martha Parkhurst, and so she came over this week to talk about what she'd read in the passage and uh, how she was going to prepare and speak at eleven. And, and she was saying, uh, she struggled with Joel too because it's happy, and it's the passage we've got is about God's promises and what God's going to do. But actually, she said, I kind of went back to look at the rest of Joel. The rest of Joel isn't very happy. The rest of Joel is very clearly about the judgment of God. And actually it fits what we've been looking at in, our, in Jeremiah, this, thing of, this sense that the people of Israel had gone astray. They'd gone their own way. Actually they'd done some terrible things. And so God was almost standing shouting towards them saying, how do I get your attention? How do I stop you self-destructing? And actually, we know that God's solution was to bring his own destruction in a way that saved a remnant and brought them back and Jerusalem was rebuilt. And the line continued, the people of God carried on. So, Joel, we have all these these prophecies about the locust plague that's coming. Uh, And we know that the, the covenant from God is that if you follow God, then actually there is... There are good crops. There is a bountiful harvest. Everything that you need is provided for. And Job's going, you're outside of that. Look at what is coming. It's going to be awful. But then we have this promise of restoration today, saying, um, rejoice, people of Jerusalem. Rejoice in the Lord your God, for the rain he sends demonstrates his faithfulness. And you have just this this promise that he's going to restore them and then it goes further. So they'll go back to what they had which is God feeding them and them having the things they need. From verse 28 we have something new. After doing all those things I will pour out my spirit upon all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy, your old men will dream dreams and your young men will see visions. In those days I'll pour out my spirit even on servants, men and women alike. Now, we hear that in the light of Pentecost where we see that happen and Peter stands up and says this is what the prophet Joel spoke about when he said I will pour out my spirit on all people but if you look back through the Old Testament what you have is the Holy Spirit comes on one person he comes on Samson he gives Samson strength Uh, he comes on Elijah and Elisha and gives them power to perform miracles Uh, he comes on Saul and Saul begins prophesying, uh, and then he leaves Saul and moves to David when Saul's disobedient. So you have this thing in the Old Testament that, that one person receives the Spirit, is anointed by God, and is able to do the work of God. Now we have something new. The Spirit gonna be poured out on all flesh, on everyone. God's Spirit is gonna be on everyone. Not just the king, who's meant to be the chosen leader, but on everyone, on servants and slaves, on women, for heaven's sake. For this culture, that God is so indiscriminate that he treats property as people and they are given equal status with those who think they're in high high position. It's amazing. And so we have this... Fantastic promise that the people of Israel were holding on to and waiting for. Now then, in our Gospel reading, you have Jesus speaking, again, to the people of Israel who have been through that judgment, who've come out of it. They've rebuilt the temple, rebuilt the sacrifice, rebuilt everything they they used to have. And it says, Jesus told the story to some who had great confidence in their own righteousness and scorned everyone else. and tells this story of the tax collector and the Pharisee, where the Pharisee's prayer is a beautiful one, um, where he lays out to God all the reasons why he's great and why God should be happy with him and smiling at him and why everything's good. And just with a quick kind of like, thank you that I'm not like that scumbag over there a tax collector who works for the opposition, works for the Romans who don't follow you. And just, we know, they cheat and they lie and they thank you, I'm not like that. And then the prayer for the tax collectors is just this awful, this, this, this God be merciful to me for I am a sinner. <laughs> this sense, I mean, you say it's humility, it's almost abject. It's kind of like, I can't, I can't look at you because I'm not good enough. I am sorry would you have mercy on me? And Jesus is really clear. Of the two of them, one of them goes home right with God. And it's not the one who tithes and who fasts and who prays. It's one who comes to God and says, have mercy on me. And so trying to look at, and we always look at kind of how the Old Testament reading and the Gospel reading, how they overlap what they say to each other. And there is this sense For me, about God, God's pouring out His Spirit. God is pouring out His blessings. But some people aren't receiving them. And this passage the people who aren't receiving the blessings of God are not the people who aren't in church, they're not the people who aren't um, knowledgeable about the things of God, but they're the people who think that they don't know God. So this Pharisee comes and talks about everything that he does. Everything that makes him a good person. Everything that makes him a good Jew. And he goes home not in relationship with God. The tax collector comes and makes no effort to justify himself. And just it's not worth it. There's no way he's getting there. He can't do it. But stands and still comes to God without looking up to heaven and saying, Please have mercy. And he goes, That's all it takes. So the image I was thinking of why, why I went home is it made me think about the rain. Now we're in autumn and rain happens quite a lot. Is that when it does rain, and often it seems to be at about quarter to nine in the morning or about 3 o'clock in the afternoon. It doesn't seem to rain when I'm working in the office, but when I'm going to pick the kids up, then it's, it's pretty much guaranteed. If, I'm th- if I think about it, it's like, great, I can keep this off, I've got this, I can bring stuff for the girls to keep the rain off them, and we're all sorted as a family. Now, God's grace is poured out on all people. But the Pharisee doesn't need it. He's done it all himself. He tithes, he fasts, he prays, he doesn't commit any sins, everything's fine, thanks God, you're doing good there, I'm doing well here. He's built an umbrella. That means he can't receive the things of God, he's not asking for them, he doesn't need them, he's too good. Whereas the tax collector very clearly knows he has no umbrella. He has nothing, he has, there is nothing in him which is good, Nothing in him he wants to tell God about. There's just this sense, Lord, have mercy. And so he receives the blessing. He receives the rain that comes from God. God pours that out of his spirit and it lands on this sinful, cheating, lying, traitorous tax collector. But not on the Pharisee. And so the question is, do we have umbrellas? And the problem is that if you are in church, it's quite easy to build up an umbrella. Like the Pharisees, you can think, "I go to church every week. I read my Bible. Uh, I don't commit adultery. Don't murder. Don't steal. Uh, I give. I put money in the plate. I give." Um, I'm I'm kind to people who don't deserve it I did that thing for so and so and you know what they're like I'm I'm alright things are okay and actually Jesus says things like that they're an umbrella they stop the blessing of God coming to you because the way you receive God's blessing is to go God I need you I, I, I need what you've got I need you to help me I need you to be with me because I can't do this without you. When we think we can cope, and vicars are usually the worst at this in the whole world, we think we can do it because we've got the clothes and we've got a theology qualification. uh, And we stand at the front, and if you stand at the front, you must be okay. And actually, all of that is an umbrella. And it stops us receiving the blessing that comes from God. So how do you get rid of your umbrella? I want to talk a bit this morning about repentance. Now repentance, we do confession every week. Every week there is a prayer of confession where we say, Almighty God, we have sinned against you and against our neighbour in thought and word and deed. And that's healthy and that's right, that's part of recognising that we come to God needing to say sorry. But actually repentance, the, the Greek word, means turning around. It means going one way and then turning around and going back. Now I was talking about this with someone last week My, the thing that I find unhelpful about that is it feels like it's a one off thing that you turn around and you start going the other way so you're not a Christian and then you are a Christian because you've repented, you've said sorry and then everything's fine actually for me it's, turning around, it's about bringing things into line it's about recognising when things in our own heart things in our own mind don't line up with the things of God And so when we think that how we act influences what God thinks about us, that's actually something that's not biblical. The biblical line is God loves us. Whatever happens, whatever we do, God loves us. He might hate some of the things that we do, and we repent of them, we turn away from those, but actually he always loves us. And sometimes we fall into the trap of thinking, God loves us when we're good. And actually, if there's anything of that in you, you need to come to God and just let Him bring your thinking into line with His, which is that He loves you right now, the way you are, whatever you do. Nothing you could do right now would make Him love you less. You could go out onto the in your car and go and start driving at bunny rabbits, God would not love you any less. You could go and rob Barclays, and it would not change how God feels about you. There'd be consequences to your actions, and God would probably try and help you make that right, but he would not love you any less. Now, as followers of Jesus, we're called to be part of his kingdom, we're called to be part of what what he's doing, and that does mean things like... um, being kind, forgiving others, tithing, giving to the church. Because all of those uh, are signs that we're following God, that we're trusting him. That we can't do it on our own, we're part of something larger. The problem with money is we're brought up in this country and we're told through the media and government and everyone else, we need to have enough. We need to set enough aside, you look after yourself, And actually other people should be looking after themselves. They should be working hard. They should be doing what they need to do. And actually the Bible says you're a community. You are a people. You look after one another. Care for the alien within your gates. It also says those who used to steal should work with their hands so they've got something useful to share with someone else. The Bible does not say people get a free ride. The Bible says everyone does what they can. And that's about trusting God, that he's the one who looks after whether things are just or not, whether things are fair or not. And again, if we worry that things have to be fair, and that things aren't fair, it can become an umbrella. Because actually rather than receiving from God, we grumble about look at them and look at that and, oh, this is awful. God says to us at St. James, I love you. I love you, I love you, I love you. Everything you need, the patience to deal with different situations, uh, creativity to know how to deal with a certain relationship, the energy to get through the day, the endurance to cope with the pain in your body, all of these things I want to give you. Come to me. Everyone who's laboring, and I'll give you rest. Our choice is to look at whether or not we have an umbrella up that says we don't need God, we're doing okay. Because if we do, God honours that. The Pharisee doesn't get a voice from heaven going, come on, sort it out. He's allowed to go home, not right with God. And we have the same freedom. So as we come to communion, just allow God to speak into your mind allow God to make you think of things in your life, ways that you think things that you believe whether any of those come between you and him because what he wants is to pour out his spirit on all people young, old, slave, free male, female, everyone whether we receive it or not is down to us let's pray Lord God thank you so much for your word to us and we ask that you would pour out your spirit upon us now where we have attitudes that come between us and you that stop us from receiving your blessings would you point them out to us would you help us to see them so that we can repent of those And bring ourselves into line with your way of thinking. Your way of being. That we might receive your love.